we're human beings and, and relationships are something that you got to continually tend to just like your garden to make sure that they, they continue to stay alive. Hi everyone. Welcome to community. Good. The podcast that shares powerful lessons to help you navigate the life you want. I'm your host, Marnie Andes. In this episode, you'll hear from Greg Roche, author of the book, The Fast and Easy Guide to Networking for Introverts, who shares more about the do's and don'ts of networking, helping you see that if done well, networking is about creating relationships and adding value to others. And now, my conversation with Greg Roche. joining me on my uh, podcast. Thanks for having me on. It's an honor to be one of the first guests. I've, you know, already shared with the audience a little bit about you and why they, you know, obviously wanted to tune in today, but I think there's so much stuff that we can talk about. There's so many things that we can probably cover, especially around um, networking and, and your background and what we're seeing right now, whether it be in somebody trying to change jobs, do some other things, but I did want to share with you, you are actually my go-to when it comes to networking and just being reminded of things like your posts on LinkedIn. I absolutely love. And that's actually where I'd love to start is just you share things that are in some cases like the, well, yeah, like that's of course what I should be doing. Right. They're Mm -hmm. the reminders. And I tend to, there's been a few times where you've You've posted something and I went and did it like almost immediately because I thought if I don't go do this thing that you've just advised me to do, I, I might not do it. But I I would love for you to just sort of share with the listeners, like, how did you get into it? I got into it because I was really bad at it. Um, I am I am an introvert. Um, I and a lot of people will be like, well, that's strange. Cause I know you and we talk and you don't seem really shy or introverted. But when I, when I get in a group of new people or people I don't know, or I get into a situation where it's a big room full of people, I completely just shut down. It's just not my thing and never has been, I, I've always struggled with it. And as I got into my career, I had this perception of networking that was, you had to be just really extroverted and go to events and talk to people and make small talk. And those were the people that were successful at it. So I didn't do that because I wasn't comfortable doing it and I never really networked. And it didn't really matter in my early career because a lot of times you're getting a job off a campus or those early jobs, it's not as critical. Uh, to, to getting in and, and, and getting those, those jobs. So I never did it. And I never thought about it. And it was something people like, you need to network. It's who, you know, and you know, your network is your net worth. And like, I heard all those things and I was just like, I'm not going to do it. It just doesn't work for me. And then I got laid off the first time. And that was about, actually it was about 10 years ago, almost next month. So it was October of 2012, the first time I got laid off and I had no network and I couldn't, find a job. And I was doing what everybody else did. And I applied for jobs online and I was not hearing back. And so I tried to figure out how I could meet people. And it really started by connecting with people I had already known that were people that were friends of mine who had left the organization and gone on to other jobs. And I just started reaching out to them. And through that, I just found I could connect with other people and I connected my way into my next role. And as I looked back on that, I was like, you know, that's like not how people tell you to network. And there's probably a lot of people out there who are similar that feel the same way I do. And they don't network because they've got the wrong perception of it. So I started just kind of doing it on my own because I I said to myself, I never want to be in that position again where I don't have people to contact or if I'm contacting people and I need a job or I need something, I don't want them to say, oh, I haven't heard from you in years. Like, why are you reaching out to me now? And so through just doing that sort of consistently and staying up on it, I was able to to grow my own network. I was able to find other opportunities and other jobs. And, and kind of after I found that landed that job after I'd been laid off, I haven't really applied to another job since. And I've changed jobs three other times um, since then and have, have never had to apply or go, you know, search for a job because they were opportunities that came about through my network. And so people along the way started to approach me and said, 
you know, you seem like, you know, a lot of people or people know you, or you get these jobs that you say people just kind of approach you. Like, how do you do that? So I, I kind of started helping my friends and people, colleagues. And what I realized is, you know, it, it can be a lot simpler. And like you said, it's one of those things where when I tell people what they have to do, they're like, no, it can't be that easy. Like, no. And, and, and I guess it's not easy. Right. And so it's definitely not easy. It can't be that simple. And, and so, you know, simple and easy are not the same thing, but, but it is actually pretty simple. And so a lot of times I'll say things like, you're not going to believe me when I tell you how simple this can be, but this is really how you can do this. And that's, that's kind of the thing with LinkedIn is the reason why I show up and post that is to remind people, Hey, just do one thing today. Just networking is a thing. It's not an event. It, it's kind of almost like a lifestyle. You need to make it a habit. You need to make it a part of your routines. You need to make it a part of who you are, that you're going to connect with people on a daily basis. And that seems like that's not going to make a difference, but it's just like anything else. It's like exercise, it's like diet. It's like anything else that's a habit. If you do it a little bit every day, you're going to see huge payoff down the road. Um, and, and so that's, that's really kind of my approach. And, and like I said, it, it was, came out of necessity. Uh, and, and as I've done it, it's, it's just, it's been good for me because I, I have to remind myself to do it as well. You know, I'll post that stuff. And then I'm like, I got to go do that kind of thing that I just told everybody to do. But I think a lot of people connect with it because it is different and it is something that people go, Oh, that's something I can do. I, you know, I'm not going to have to get all dressed up and go to the event. I'm not going to have to meet strangers. I'm not going to have to make a bunch of small talk and, and, you know, try to figure out if I'm going to, follow up with these people. I can really have real conversations and develop real relationships with people that are going to be mutually beneficial. I can help other people. If I need it, they'll help me. And that's how I'm going to go through life is, is seeking out those types of relationships. Right. Well, I'll, first of all, there's like so many questions in that that I'd <laughs> love to to go to because you, you start out by saying like you're an introvert, you know, and you had to do this through necessity. It's interesting because whenever, and you and I, I've talked, we've talked mm -hmm. a little bit about this. I'm, I'm on the spectrum of introverted, but I'm also like on the insights assessment. Mm -hmm. I can also be extroverted. So I sort of, you know, and they mm -hmm. talk about that. We all can play mm -hmm. what we need to play at, at the right times when we have to right. play those cards. But it's, you know, the things that I see you writing about, though, I could even argue that it's not necessarily just for the introvert. It's for everyone to be reminded of it, because it's the things like if you're connecting with people in a real way, you could be an extrovert and you're, you just love connecting with people. But you don't even really know why you're having the conversation with them, whereas yours is more about, you know, build the relationships, but mm -hmm. also, you know, really know, you know, what can you do to help them and connect with them? Um, but the thing I'd like you to talk a little bit about, you have so many, I, I we're going to get into your book already because I actually want to go there. Um, mm -hmm. and we'll talk about it and the listeners will know where they can go and find the book that you wrote about this. Um, so I'd love you to sort of tee it up as why did you finally publish the book? Cause you were writing and, and talking about these things already, but you have so many great analogies in the book. And I'd love for you to maybe share at least one of them because I, that's why I think the simplicity makes it so clear for people as to how they could actually break it down and not make networking so scary. So I'd just love for you to talk more about that. I never thought I would write a book about networking. It, I, I had kicked around the idea for a couple of years and people said, oh, you should write a book. You should write a book. And I was like, what would you, how would you write a book about networking? You know, it's just not one of those topics. I mean, there's the the classics out there that are not necessarily networking, but there's a lot of principles. There's, you know, how to, how to, you know, win friends and influence people, right? You know, there, there's those right. kind of things that are good, timeless sort of wisdom and, and good to be reminded of. Um, but I didn't think, how could I turn my, my approach, my methodology, the things I tell people to do into a book? And it was kind of the start of 2020 and, you know, everybody knows what that meant. And it was kind of like, what am I going to do in my free time? Cause I can't go anywhere anymore. And I had, I read a, a post by an author in he's, he's kind of an eccentric guy. His name's James Altucher. And he's kind of, he just does a lot of strange things, but um, it's, it's kind of fun to, to read. And he said, 
if you're going to write a book and you can't figure out how to do it, pick something that's like classic and use that as your model, like, like ancient wisdom, like whether you use, whether it's the Bible or some Buddhist text or some ancient text, something that's old and like repurpose it for whatever you talk about and put it in the present time. And I started thinking about that and, and I had used a couple of things before in some of my articles that were fables. And I had used the ant, the grasshopper in an article before to talk about networking before you need it because that's the grasshopper or the ant. And, you know, the grasshopper just waits until they need it. And then, you know, it's too late. And I went back to that. I said, well, could I, could I put this in the context of, of fables? Could I, could I use the lessons from, from Aesop's fables to teach this or at least provide the background? And, and I kind of went through a bunch of the fables and read a bunch and some I'd never even heard of before. And I picked out a few and I was like, these, these have the principles of the things that I would tell people for networking. And so I, so I, that got me started on, here's a structure I can use in the book that helps tell the story makes it a little bit more interesting than just saying, Hey, if you need to network, do this, 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 and this. And that was kind of how I got going and how I started to put it together. And it just, it started to make a little bit more sense to me. So using that, that framework was really helpful for me as a writer um, to, to, to move through it and, and help again, put some structure around it. That wasn't just do X, Y, Z, you know, one, two, three in this order. Um, but, but some of the things of course, with networking and, and the classic one, I, I already talked about the ant and the grasshopper that that's one, but, but the, the, um, the tortoise and the hare and the idea that, we all know that one. We all know slow and steady wins the race. You can rush out really quick, but you're going to wear out. And that goes back to the whole idea of, of making networking a habit and doing it in a way that you can keep doing it every single day. You can be consistent and you can show up and eventually you're going to outpace the person who goes to a couple of events, meets a bunch of people, and then never follows up. That's the idea. That's how I do almost everything. I mean, I, my own sort of philosophy is, uh, consistency wins, just consistency showing up consistently. You don't have to be amazing. You don't have to be great. You don't have to be the strongest. You don't have to be the fastest, but if you show up consistently, you are going to win over time. And with enough time, you're going to, to come up on top. And, and that's what I think about when it comes to meeting people and relationships is, being consistent and being the one that's consistent, you are going to, you will win in the long run. You will, you will come out on top. And I, you know, throughout my life have just have seen that happen. So that that's kind of one of the, the fables that I always go back to. And, and we all know that one. And, and I think it's like you said, it's one we forget. And that's, that's the thing about fables, right? Is that the reason why they're written is to remind us of things we already know to tell stories that remind us, oh yeah, I know you don't read a fable and go like, oh my gosh, I've never thought of that before. <laughs> you read a fable and you go, oh yeah, that's right. That's how life goes. And it's so interesting because it's from thousands of years ago. So people have been people for as long as we've been people, right? I mean, we, we've had these same attitudes and these things. We're not any different now than we were three or 4,000 years ago when these stories were all put together. It's just we forget and we need to be reminded of these lessons from time to time. Oh, well, I definitely agree with you on that. I mean, I've talked to people about that, you know, obviously with my own work about, you know, homegrown lessons, sometimes it's just, it's like, oh yeah, now that I've heard their story and their lesson, that reminds me, maybe I called it something different or I thought Mm -hmm. about it in a different way, but oh yeah, I could apply that here. And mm-hmm. I loved all your stories. I had no idea that that's how you actually approached your book, even though, mm-hmm. I mean, I've obviously read your book and we've, yeah. we've talked about it, but, um, it, you know, one thing that hit me, uh, in addition to some of the stories, and I don't remember if it was in a post that you put it in, but I've definitely taken it to heart. One of the things that you talked about networking is when you reach out to somebody and you do finally make the connection, it's like, what are you, what is your ask? Like, are you clear if they asked you like, well, how can I help you? Do you know how you want them to help you? And I've, I've, I, that one actually was really hard for me at the beginning. Cause I was like, 
well, isn't it that like I'm getting coffee with this person like enough? Like they're, you know, they're, they're mm-hmm. so nice, you know, to come here and it has changed it for me. And I'll give you the example, but I, I would like you to talk a little bit about maybe how do you get comfortable being uncomfortable asking for things that would maybe be an interesting thing. I think for people to hear about, I, you know, at first it used to be like, Hey, could you connect me to people or whatnot? But, you know, even after I published my book, when I started meeting with people, I would take books and I would say, I just have an ask. I would just love for you to share this with someone else that you either think is looking for this or someone else who might want somebody to come in and either talk about it or facilitate it. If you could just give those books away, I would love that. So, but that was a big deal. And I don't remember if you put it in a post or whatnot, but I'd love you to talk more about being clear on, you know, how can people help you? Yeah, I I did put it in a post and I put it in a post because you and I had had a conversation and you said at the end, well, what can I do to help you? And I was like, well, I don't really know. Like, I'm not sure right now. And as I reflected on that, I was like, I always tell people you, you need to be ready for that moment. You need to have something. There's some reason there's something that this person could do for you. And if you're not specific, if you don't have a really targeted ask, it's really hard for the other person to help you. And if you're hard to help, people aren't going to help you. The the thing I talk about, and most of the time when I'm talking to people about networking, it's in the context of finding a new job. That's That doesn't have to be networking, but a lot of people, especially if you're on LinkedIn, that's why people are there. And so I'll tell people when people say, how can I help you? They think I'll give them my resume and tell them, can you give this to somebody? But if somebody gives me their resume and says, give it to somebody, like, who my kids, my wife, like, I know that's not what they mean, but, but really how am I supposed to figure out who that is? And if I even go back to my company that I work for, do you want it to go to the manager? Do I need to give it to a recruiter? Like, who do I have to say all these questions that go in my mind? I'm like, this is hard. And so I have my life and I have things I'm working on. And so does everybody else. We're all busy. We all have a million things. And if you tell somebody to do something for you and it's not really easy. It's really hard for me to, to do. I'm going to say, I'm going to find reasons or I'm going to make excuses for why I can't do it. I don't have time. I don't know anybody. And and I may not say that to you, but I'll just kind of let it go. Right. And, and that happens all the time. And it's not because I don't want to help. It's just, I don't know what to do for you. So I would tell somebody always, again, in the job situation, it's, it's like you should have, if you're looking for another career or a, 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 a new job, you're in that situation, you need to tell the person exactly what companies you are interested in and give them an opportunity to tell you if they know somebody there. Now, chances are they might. They might know somebody that works there and they can say, well, I could certainly send an email and introduce you. That's great. I mean, that makes the connection. That starts the conversation for you. They might say, I don't know anybody at these companies, but I know somebody at another company. Could I introduce you? Yes, absolutely. Like that's what you're trying to do with networking is get introduced to somebody else. And that's in a, that's in a job context. Um, but people at that point, like if you've jumped to that and you haven't done all the other stuff in the relationship before that, then you are going to feel really awkward asking the person for that. So that's why I always tell people when you're reaching out and connecting to people and you're having these conversations, you should be trying to think of ways you can help that person first. You should be doing it in a, in advance. You are, or you should, and, and, and not with the intention of like, this is a quid pro quo. I'm going to do something for you so you can do something for me. But truly, how can I give something to this person? And so that they naturally, because we have this natural tendency to want to reciprocate, it's it's an actual scientifically proven fact that if somebody gives you something, you feel like you want to give them something in return. And that's what I would tell people to go into these conversations as you listen to people talk about what they're working on, what they're doing, what are they struggling with, what challenges they're having, what can you give to them? It could just be advice or an introduction or recommendation or anything like that. But but what can you give first? And and just give, just give and say like, here you go. And and they may go, thanks, great, and take it on their way. And they may not say, how can I help you? And that's fine. 
that's okay. You're, you're building the relationship. That's what this is all about is, is building relationships. And, and that's where, again, it will come to that point where somebody says, what can I do for you? And that's, you want to be prepared to answer that question and be easy to help. Um, and, and like I said, that came out of our conversation. I, I can't remember when we had that conversation, but I, you know, we hung up the phone and I was like, ah, I didn't, like, she said, how can I help you? And I didn't have anything. And I was like, that's exactly what I tell people to do. So, you know, even I, I don't always do it all the time, but, but that's what I, that's what kind of what I would always, you know, tell people to do is, and then, and then at that point, if you've given to them, if you've given something and they, they say, how can I help you? You're not going to feel bad about giving them that list or giving them the book or saying, Hey, you know, I would love to meet so-and-so. And I think you might know them. Would you be interested in introducing me? And they're like, yeah, sure. Of course. And then they feel great. They're like, Oh, they gave me something. I gave them something back. The karmic scales are even. And so, you know, we, we can, we can continue with our relationship and we feel like we're on an, an even level there. Right. Right. Well, first of all, about the conversation with you and I, I, I always love this. It's the reminder that, just because we've written a book, just because we talk about certain things, just, I mean, you know, similarly, we still have to practice all this stuff. I mean, mm -hmm. it, and, and actually that's, I think a very, a really big similarity between um, even my book and your book is, you know, it's, it's not uh, complex. It's quite simple, but it's not always easy and we have to practice it just as much as anybody else that we're talking to. So I, I think first of all, that's just a great point to point out that yes, we even have to work on all this stuff and be reminded of it. I wonder about what though you're talking about. I, I, I've been, as you were answering that question and even going through that, I was thinking about a group of people that I've, a group of um, women that I'm actually part of. And we were talking about in one instance, how uncomfortable it was for others to ask for things. And it is, was in the context of like negotiating, but I think that they could probably apply it here too, which is how do I even reach out to that person? If I already feel like I'm a burden on them or, you know, I'm taking too much of their time. Like, how do you get people over that, you know, feeling? It, it depends on who you're trying to reach out to. And if it's somebody you don't really know, you're, you're taking a chance. You're going to have to be good at the intro email or the intro message or anything like that. What I typically tell people is start with who you know. There, Most of us have a network of people and we don't even think that we do. We think I don't know anybody and we just kind of forget that there's a lot of people that we've worked with in the past interacted with in the past, maybe they weren't even colleagues or coworkers, but even vendors uh, who have worked with us in the past or who we know who have called on us that maybe we didn't even buy their product, but we know them because they keep calling us all the time. And I'm not talking about people that, you know, you don't know. I'm, I'm Again, I'm talking about people that you actually have had conversations with and interacted with. And people will say that doesn't really feel like networking because they're already in my network. And, and I would say, yeah, that's true. But how do you meet most people? Well, when you're a kid, you meet people because you're in school with them. You don't really have a choice. You're born in a location in that neighborhood of kids you grew up with and that go to school with. That's your network. That's who you know. You grow up with them. You go to school with them. Maybe then you go to college. You have a new group of people. It's all proximity. Whoever's close to you and who's in your life, that's who you know. And the only other way you really meet people, usually, I mean, besides let's take out online stuff, but in, in person is through um, introduction. And, and the people you already know introduce you to new people. And when they introduce you, you come with a implied level of trust because somebody they know has introduced them to you, you to them. And that's, again, how you grow these relationships and you grow your network of people. And so if you start with who you know, that's a good way to get introduced to new people. And so once you're introduced, again, then you're coming with a level of trust that it's a little less awkward to either make those asks or to start to develop those relationships. And you can see as I'm talking about this, going back to what we're talking about with the, the tortoise and the hare, this it takes time relationship building takes time. It takes time to get introduced. Sometimes people aren't going to get back to you and you may have a couple of conversations before you really get to a level with a person that you feel like you can 
ask them for something or before they ask you, hey, how can I help you? And that's why you got to continue to do this kind of stuff all the time. It's not just like, I'm going to sit down for a week and connect with all these people. And hopefully I'm going to make these connections that are going to change my life or give me all these opportunities. And I think that's where people struggle with this stuff. And so one of the other analogies I, I, I talk about is think of your, your network, not as something you build because building has the implied idea that there's a start and an end date. It's like a project. Like I'm going to work on this and I'm going to build this and it's going to be done at some point. I think of it as more like a garden or something that you grow. It's something that you plant seeds. You've got to take care of those things. It takes a while for them to grow. It takes a while for the, the vegetables to come out on the, the, the vine, you know, it takes a while for my tomatoes to have tomatoes and cucumbers to have cucumbers. And it, it takes a little bit of time and, it, and you have to be there. You got to kind of do it every single day, but eventually it, it will get there, but it kind of keeps going for, for a long time. So that that's where I, I, I tend to think of it more like that so that you're not thinking this is something I can just put together a spreadsheet of tasks. I can knock out all these tasks. And if I do all these things, I'm going to have this network of people. It doesn't work like that. And, and we're human beings and, and relationships are something that you got to continually tend to just like your garden to make sure that they, they continue to stay alive. Well, one, I think it is helpful for people to actually hear about that, you know, start with who you know, Um, Mm -hmm. I think that's a general principle. I mean, start with people that are already warm to you, people Mm -hmm. that are already willing to help you, people that actually want to get together and learn more. You know, we've talked a little bit about, you know, how your focus has been for people that are probably looking for another opportunity, looking for a Mm -hmm. job and so forth. But I think about like the person that's been in the job and how, how can they use some of the networking principles that you share to to be more successful in the environment that they're already in. They're not looking, they don't anticipate looking, but how can they use some of those principles? So I don't know if there's a principle, some things that you think about as like, how do I use it in what I'm already doing? I think it works the same way. And people just don't think of it as people don't think of networking internally in an organization. They think I'm going to work with my team or maybe whoever we work with and, and that's it. And if you start to have conversations maybe within your team or maybe with your boss or maybe with other leaders that are at a, um, a level that you feel comfortable having the conversation with, um, you can say, you know, hey, I'm, I'm looking to learn more about this part of the organization or I'm just looking to more, learn more about the organization who would be a good person to, to connect with and talk to. And a lot of people, especially in an organization, are are probably more willing to say, Hey, you have an interest in this. I would love to tell you what my team does. And I would love to tell you how it works together. I I think that's probably a pretty, in most cases, pretty safe, um, road to pursue. And, and so, but you've got to, you've got to kind of say, again, you might want to be kind of specific and say like, this is an area of the company I don't really know about. I'd love to learn more. And I'm not trying to get a job there. I just want to understand more about the company and, and you will have a conversation again with hopefully with your boss or another leader that you can say, Hey, could, could you introduce me? You could even probably more go the cold route. If you were to reach out to a certain leader and be like, Hey, I work on this team, really interested in what you guys do. Can we talk for 15 minutes? You can maybe tell me a little bit more about what's going on or what you guys are working on. Just trying to learn more about the organization. And you think, okay, well, why would I do that? It's just to, again, build those relationships so that people know who you are and they know what you do. And, and I, I've done a couple of things in the past, and this was just my own, this, I, I called this my, this was a personal development project that I did one year in an organization. And, and you can do this. This is probably better in a smaller organization and in, in a really large organization, this might be hard to do, but in an organization of a decent size, I picked the top five people in the organization, the top five officers, not the CEO, but like CFO, it was chief development officer, general counsel, a couple other people. And I, I just said to them, I did do the kind of cold outreach. I said, Hey, um, I'm doing this personal development project. I'm trying to talk to the top leaders and I just have one question 
And I would love to talk to you about it for like 15 minutes if, if you can set aside that time. And um, they were like, yeah, sure. Sounds good. And so my one question was, what's the one thing you think has made you the most successful in your career? And I just went in and whenever they had time, I set up time with them. I went in and just listened to what they said. And there was insight in there. They each said something different, which was fascinating. They all had different stories about what it was and, and what's, what they felt like made them successful. But really more what the intention was, is I was able to sit there face to face with them and have a conversation. So they knew me, they knew me by name. We could talk if I saw them in the hall, it wasn't like, oh my gosh, there's that big important person. I can't talk to him. We, we started to form a relationship. And did that get me any farther ahead in my career? I don't know, probably not. But at the same time, it just helped me develop relationships with some people who were at an executive level within an org. And so somebody can try that. I mean, that's certainly a, a, a thing you can do. And, and like I said, you put it under the guise of, hey, I'm doing this personal development project. This is on my goals for this year. You could say something like that. It's you know something you want to do. But, and it doesn't have to be the executives. If it's just, you know, at leaders you admire or people you just like to get to know better. And I think that that's, that's something that you probably find in most organizations, people are, are pretty open to that, but you just want to be your name. I mean, I hate to say this, but you want to be known. I mean, and, and in a good way, in a, in a way that when, when, when people are talking about who they want to put on their team or who's working on what, and your name comes up, you want it to be something that people go, okay, good. I've talked to that person. I know him. He's, he's a good guy or, uh, uh she's, she's great at what she does. Uh, th that's, that's kind of what you're trying to do. I think in an, in an internal, um, networking situation. Right. And well, and I think some people might look at it and go, well, maybe it looks like I'm actually just, you know, I'm, I'm trying to get to those senior leaders or whatnot. Mm -hmm. And we've worked with organization. We've worked with an organization before together. And it's, mm -hmm. we always talked about like the visibility, you want mm -hmm. people to know who you are, but if you also take it an approach of, to your point, I love the professional development idea because mm -hmm. I mean, in, you know, in genuine sense, you should want to go learn. If the more mm -hmm. you can learn about the business that you're in, the more, even outside of what your team and what you do on a day-to-day -day basis, the more impact you probably could have over time. And it doesn't hurt to get to know other people and where they're coming from or how they got there or what they're doing. So I, I love the idea around that. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, it was also fascinating, you know, not so much you hear what they said about whatever that one thing was, but then you get more of a window and an insight into how does this person think about the business and how do they think about what they do, which helps you if you're ever interacting or preparing a presentation or you're getting ready or you're like, hey, I've got a proposal. I have a little bit more insight into how this individual thinks and I can maybe make sure that I you know, touch on the right kind of things or I have the right tone or I have the right approach. It, it's it, it's just more about getting to know people. And I think that that's when I go back to all this stuff around networking, we are so much less connected as people than, than we ever have been. And we're losing our skills to actually connect to each other. And as I've thought more about this over the years, it's become less about networking for jobs and we're about how do we connect again as people? How do we start just having basic human conversations? Because I think that that's something that people are losing and, and that's, they're losing relationships. They're losing respect for each other. They're losing this, this ability to see people as people. And part of it is just because we don't sit down and talk to each other anymore. And, and that's kind of what more of my sort of focus is now is, is how do you, how can we talk about connection and how do we get back to that um, so that we don't completely lose touch with each other? Oh, I, gosh, I mean, that's something I completely agree with you. I mean, I had shared, you know, over the last couple of years where I had hosted a dinner. Now I brought women together mm -hmm. and we came together to answer an open-ended question, everyone answered it. And it was incredible how people could come together and feel so incredibly rewarded by having that kind of connection. And, and, and by the way, the women I brought together five years ago for the first time in that way, they didn't know each other. The only thing they, the only person they knew, the only connection they had was to me. But 
they came together. You could have called it a networking event, if you will, mm -hmm. and answered a question that was thought provoking and they could share. And I agree with you because even during COVID, I was like, how do I still do something like this? Mm -hmm. So I held a virtual, you know, similar event. I held it with about half the amount of women because I didn't think I would possibly be able to to do it with up to 20 people, but I held it with 10 and to see people connect like that and yet be able to say afterwards, that was one of the best things I've ever done, which is just come to this space and have this, mm -hmm. just answer this question. I, I agree with you, but I, I wonder what are your thoughts on, well, if you, if this is the work that you're getting into, what are your thoughts on getting people to connect in a more real way? Yeah. I, I mean, there's a lot of ideas of how to do it. I, I feel like coming out of, you know, we can all go and say, okay, COVID, I think COVID just made it worse. It was already happening. I know so many people that, you know, they just don't do anything now because they spent two years living their lives going, oh, I don't really actually need to go out and do anything. Like I can just stay in my house and, and there's no reason for me to go out. Everything I need is here in my house. And they're missing that, that actual human connection. And this is the guy that's the introvert, right? I'm the person who's, who, who, you know, I go have the connection in the conversation and then I got to go hang out for a few minutes by myself to like, you know, get my energy back. But I still feel like it's, it's rewarding. It's something we should do. And there's just so many people that I think now are like, oh, life's different. I don't need to go out. So part of that is just kind of changing that idea, getting more people out. I mean, I just feel like even community wise, like people don't join community organizations anymore. You know, I, I think about my parents and, you know, my dad and, and my grandparents and like, they had like these clubs and, and you can argue these, these old school clubs that was like the lions or the elks or whatever you could say like, Oh, well that was just for men. Or there's like all these reasons why they weren't good. But the fact of the matter was like people got together, you know, people got together regularly to see people and do things. And forget why it was formed or whatever, but that was a key part of the community. That was a key part of connection. I mean, people don't connect as much with, with their religious organizations. And again, you can argue, well, religion, this or that, or it's bad or this thing. But the point being like, forget all the, the ideology or politics. It's like, it was community. It was getting together. It was like seeing people and that was how you, you interacted with people and how you knew kind of what was, acceptable and not acceptable and right and wrong and how to have a conversation and how to help other people and how to connect with other people. We're just not doing that anymore. I feel like that's, that's not happening. And, and, you know, I have no like basis on scientific fact on that, but I suspect that a large rise in mental health issues has a lot to do with the disconnection from all these other parts of our community. There's just nobody to talk to about things. I mean, you maybe have your family or your close friends, but there's no other people to talk to or relate to or go, oh yeah, other people are struggling. You feel like I'm the only person. I mean, besides your therapist, right? Nobody else hears what's going on with you in your life. And so um, I don't know where that goes from a networking standpoint or you know what that means, but it's just one of those things where I, I just feel like there's just not that connection anymore. And, and it's, I don't know how to change it. I don't know how to reverse it. It feels like going back in time to say like, oh, this is how they used to do it in the old days. And I don't <laughs> think that's going to resonate with people, right. but you know, it's gotta be a better way to get people to, to be human and get together again. Right. Well, I agree with you. And maybe that's something, um, we put our heads together yeah. on because I, you know, actually this morning I, I spoke to a, in a community nearby, I was asked to speak to their group. It's a 55 plus, um, community and, and, you know, not that I'm that far off of that, but what was here's but to your point of that may be the, that may be something that has to do with why maybe people feel so isolated or they, you know, are having struggles because when you think about the community, when I was at that, group and speaking with them. It was a, it was a large group, but they knew exactly who wasn't there. So there's a little bit of like, not only were the, was it serving a purpose for the people that had come to the event, but they knew exactly who wasn't at the event and who they were reaching out to. So you had this community that was sort of looking out after you. So I agree with you. I mean, I think there's a way to get that back. I think there's there, mm -hmm. you know, my own unscientific thing around all of this is that we've become so busy with things. We, mm -hmm. we think we're actually busy with things mm -hmm. 
that if we reduced a lot of that noise of busyness, that we would probably have the time and energy to, to be in these kinds of communities. So I don't know. I mean, that's maybe we need to have like a part two, Greg, on that because there's, <laughs> because before we get, I actually want to go to something. Um, and I want to get into this because I think it's very timely right now with what's going on. You know, I'll share that, you know, there's been everything over the last year, there's been terms like the great resignation and there's been all these different terms. And the most recent one that's trending right now is quiet quitting. And I want to hear your thoughts on all of that. But I want to go back to something that you wrote a few years back that struck a chord with so many people. You had a number of people that I think liked this post and you've gone on to speak about it, but I want you to talk about the line. Yeah, I um, was like three years ago. I wrote an article on LinkedIn when you could still write articles on LinkedIn and then people would see them. And it, it was actually called what happens right before your best employee quits. And the whole concept was that when people decide there is a point in time, there is a moment when somebody's in a job and they decide I'm done. And they may not actually just quit their job. Actually, they're not going to quit their job on that day. In the moment that they are at what has become known as the line, they're standing on a line. And it's like, a if you just picture yourself standing outside, or as I said in the article, you picture your best employee sit, standing outside in the parking lot and at their feet is a white line running perpendicular to the direction that they're facing. And at that moment, they're making a decision to step over the line, meaning they're going to, they're going to go online and search for their job title on a job site and see what's out there. Or if a recruiter were to call them on that day, they would say, yeah, I, I'll listen. That's the moment when you've lost them basically as an employee, because they are emotionally decided I'm done and they're not going to get a job that day. It's probably going to be months. And when they actually come in and they hand in their resignation as a manager, you're going to say, well, what happened? Why, why are you getting, why are you leaving? And they're going to say something like, well, I, I, they're giving me more money or I got a promotion. I got a better, a better job. Of course what they say. And, and this comes from my own work as a, as a person who does compensation. I'm always the person that the manager calls and like, we got to do something. We got to save them. They're going to leave. We got to give them more money. We got to put in a retention bonus. We, we got to match the offer. And I hear that all the time. And the fact of the matter is, well, of course they're getting more money. They wouldn't have come in and resigned for less. Or if they did, then you've really got a problem. But, but most of the time they're like, if they went down that path and they looked at an opportunity and they were like, yeah, we can't pay you as much as you're making now, they'd have been like, oh, okay, I'll just stay in the job I'm doing. But, but that's not really the point. The point is we always talk about like an exit interview and we say, why are you leaving? And we ask that when they're already emotionally out the door and they don't really care. So they're probably not going to, number one, tell us the truth. Or if they are going to tell us the truth, it's going to be a watered down version of the truth. What we have to do is we got to back up before they got that offer they had to have an interview. And before they had that interview with somebody, they had to apply or they had to talk to a recruiter. So what happened right before they did that? That's the moment when they're standing at that line, deciding whether they were going to step over or not. And the things that push them over are too much work. I don't like my boss. I don't like my team. I don't like my organization. I don't like the job I'm doing. It's not what I signed up for, or I signed up for one job and now it's morphed into something else. It's all those other things that cause people to go, I'm over this. I'm done with this. I, I just don't want to do this anymore. Maybe there's something better out there. And there's always sort of like those things build up and push you closer and closer to the line. And then there seems to be always, there's sort of maybe that one day where they go, okay, I'm, I'm open. I'm open to it. And maybe it's a, a chain of days, right? Maybe it's, you know, we were talking earlier about if you rate your day, if you have 10 days and three out of 10 are bad, that's probably normal. We all have bad days. But if it gets to be more than that, then you're probably going to be like, ah, I might start looking around. There's more bad days than good days. So it might be time to, to maybe think a little bit differently. So I wrote this and I posted it and I didn't know what was going to happen. I just hit publish. It was like on a Thursday or Friday. And then over the weekend, I, I was going back and looking at my LinkedIn account. And I was like getting all these views and comments. 
And it was weird. It started in Australia for some reason. I don't know how the algorithm works, but for some reason, all these people in Australia started connecting with me and commenting and stuff like that. And then come back the next week and it just kind of kept getting like lots and lots of views. It ended up with like over 3 million views, had like 2,500 reactions and like 1,700 comments. And the comments were all things like, I've totally been there. I'm there now. I was there three months ago. I totally left. I mean, it was all these people were like basically saying, I totally connect with what you wrote and everybody else needs to see this. And I was like, oh, okay. Like you never know, right? You, you hit publish and you never know what's going to happen. And so, you know, it, I was kind of like, well, where does this go or what do I do with this? But in terms of today, I guess the, the idea is this whole, like the great resignation of the quiet quitting. I mean, people have always been doing this. I mean, we used to call it disengagement. It, it's come with all these different terms, but the reality is it's not entirely new. It's something that we go to work and if the environment's not good or the job's not good, we're going to get to the point where we decide I'm going to do something different. And, and as leaders, we always say, well, what can we do? I think it's being conscious of not, we didn't pay them enough or, or what happened when they exited, but it's, it's going, what's happening in the day-to-day that's really stressing people out, really pushing them and trying to identify those things and say, if we can't necessarily do a lot about it because, hey, the work is the work and I just don't have any more money to hire more people, it's acknowledging with people, hey, I get it. Like, I understand we're pushing you hard and like, what can we do? What can I do as a leader to figure out something else I can take off your plate? I, I Maybe I can't, this one project that has to get done or the deadline that's coming up, I, I can't do anything about that, but what can I do to support you or take something off? And so the concept of the line as a language, as, as, a, as a languaging technique is just saying to, as a manager to your people, hey, here's what I mean when I talk about you being at the line. And what I need you to do is I need you as a, as somebody on my team to come tell me when you're there and not because you should feel bad or because you're weak or you can't handle or anything, but I need to know, and I need you to tell me what's causing it. And my job as a leader, if I'm a good leader is to say, I'm going to find a way to make this a little bit less stressful, take a little bit off your plate, help you step back from the line a little bit, and let's figure out how we can make this situation better. I think if a lot of people did that and, and they were open and honest with their teams, you'd have a lot of people going, oh, you know, my organization listens to me or they, they understand what I'm going through or they, they're willing to help me out. I feel supported. And you'd have a lot more of the, a lot less of this great resignation or disengagement or, or what we're now calling quiet quitting, which quiet quitting, honestly, to me, sounds like I'm doing the job you asked me to do. <laughs> like, like, like the way it's described is like, people don't want to go above and beyond what they're asked to do. I was like, so like, if you're asked them to do these things and they did all those things. Okay. I, that, that to me is like the quiet quitting thing is a little bit different than the disengagement and the great resignation. And, and so my feeling on it is like, I don't know what you expect everybody, like not everybody is a high performer. Like we, we wouldn't like most people in organization are not, they're coming in, they're doing the job you asked them to do. And you know what else they're doing? Living their lives. They're going home. They're like going home to their families. They have hobbies, they have interests, they have other things they're doing besides work. And that's perfectly fine. And that used to be all anybody did. I mean, I, I think back to, to my parents and my grandparents and stuff. It's like, you go to work, you put in your time and then you come home and they didn't talk about work. They just came home and did everything else. And, and again, maybe back to this community thing of we spent more time in our community doing things and less time thinking about work and putting in extra hours and all this stuff. So I, I kind of separate those two things. You asked what I thought about this, but I just, I don't understand like this quiet quitting. At some point I'm like, yeah. And, and if you're like, I need more, I need them to do more, then go, okay, well, here's what more looks like. And, oh yeah, by the way, the compensation guy's going to say like, if you're going to ask them to do more, then pay them more, right? I mean, pay them for the work that you're going to ask them to do. But if they're doing the job that you're paying them for, that's fine. They're not quitting. They're just doing what you asked them to do. And, and so that, I mean, that's kind of how I feel about it. And, and, you know, 
I don't know what your thoughts are on it, but, but that's, that's kind of where I'm with. I, I feel like it's kind of a little bit of a, uh, a, a headline. It's, it's, it's more of a, a thing that gets put on LinkedIn to generate clicks and views. And I'm not really sure it's a constructive thing. Cause I don't know what you're going to do about it. Right. You know? Well, I think if people start using the terms almost like synonymous with, you know, it, mm-hmm. they're, they're making things. It, let me actually back up. What I think is happening many times is instead of actually looking at ourselves as an organization or a leadership team, it's easier to say, well, it's quiet quitting. Mm-hmm. It's the great resignation. It's the a better job. It's somebody, yeah. you know, there's a company that's doing these new things and we're not quite doing those instead of just, you know, saying, gosh, uh, could it possibly be us that are doing yeah. this? You know, and the line goes into some of that, which I love what you're saying. I mean, there's if for everybody that's listening, this this isn't just about what can you do as the person who's at the line, which is possibly well, I should say, what can you do if you're the leader with somebody at the line, which mm-hmm. is talk to people earlier. But there's something for the person who's at the line, which is, you know, instead of waiting till you get to that point, yeah. saying something. Yeah. Well, yeah. And if you're, if you're an employee before you're at that point, this is when you want to have the conversation with your leader and say, Hey, um, I just want to tell you about this concept or this idea. And I'm not saying that I'm feeling that today, but things could get stressful and we could get to a point. And if I come to you and say, Hey, I'm standing at the line, I'm basically telling you, Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling. It doesn't mean I'm quitting. It doesn't mean I'm not going to do my job. It doesn't mean I don't like you or I don't want to be here. It's like, it's actually, I do want to be here. I would really love to keep working here, but I'm really struggling with whatever it is. I've got too much work to do. I've got too many deadlines. I've got too many people asking me for things and I'm just one person and I'm getting, I'm getting burnt out. I'm getting to that point. And I need you to know that so we can work together to figure out a a solution to that. That's a hard thing to do if you're an employee. I mean, if you have a good relationship with your boss, you you can you can potentially do that. Uh, but it's also something you want to do before you're actually there, because once you're there, you're emotionally going to be struggling, and it's going to be ha- hard to have that conversation in a really objective way. So, um, you know, I, I I think that that's um, you know again the the concept of the the term the line is just a good way to put the concept out there to have a safe conversation either if you're the leader to have it with your team or if you're on the team to have it with your leader lay that out it's almost like a it's almost like a a a safe word type of thing to say like hey when i say this again i'm not leaving i would i just want to come up with a way so that we can find a way to to make it so i can stay here and 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 enjoy what i'm doing you you know i don't know if you realize this but I actually think you've done like a full circle thing here with the work that you do. So you talk to people about the benefit and the reason why they need to network consistently mm-hmm. all the time that could lead to something that you're not even looking for, but it also ensures that, you know, if you get to the point where you just can't take on a mm-hmm. job anymore, or it's just not the right fit for you. You already have this awesome network, mm-hmm. but you also go into this whole place, which is, you know, but even if you're there, like these are the kinds of things you need to think about as a leader to ensure that your employees are in a good space. Here's what you need to do yeah. as an employee to ensure your leader understands where you're coming from. So I, I, do, I really do think you have a wealth of work and I, I would um, love to see you take a version of the line and apply it to just general life. Cause I think about those situations where things like when people end a relationship, go through a divorce, things like that, it, where it's like, you don't wake up one day and just decide you're going to do that. Right. There's something that got you to the point and then you're at the line. And and what, what usually preceded that was you weren't talking, you weren't right. connecting, you weren't having the conversations, you weren't developing the relationships. It's, it's the same thing as, as creating new relationships, but we're not... And again, I know this is, this, you know, precedes the internet and all these kind of things, you know, relationship stuff, but, but again, you're just not talking to each other, not having the human conversation of what's going on, like what, what is going on. And I get there's more dynamics. It's not as simple as that. You know, there are people with different issues and things where they either don't want to hear it or they don't want to listen or there's other things going. I, I understand that, but, but you're right. I mean, you don't just wake up one day and go, I'm going to quit my job. 
you, you, it, it takes, it builds up. You, you get to a point where you're like, I, I can't do it anymore, but it's likely you haven't even had a conversation or talked to anybody about it. And, you know, somebody will listen to this and go, well, I had this boss and I tried to tell them this and that, and they never listened and everything. It's like, okay, I get it. At some point, you know, you can't do those things. But in most cases, most of these people that are leaving or switching or whatever, it was just, they felt disconnected. They felt like they weren't a part of it anymore. They felt like there was no reason for them to keep being there. And so they went and looked for something else. Well, I think it's key to what you just said. There's somebody probably listening that says, I can't go have that conversation with my boss, but I do believe that's few and far between. I do <laughs> think there's more people that would want to hear the conversation. And it's kind of to your point of, you know, you have to kind of give yourself the right threshold. If you're having a few bad days and then suddenly you're just like, this is terrible. Well, mm-hmm. I like what your wife and you do because it's like, okay, well, let's actually talk about how many of those days are mm-hmm. bad. And it's similar. Mm-hmm. Let's actually talk about how many of those bosses really wouldn't listen to that story. Mm-hmm. I think many people, yeah, they want to hear that. They want to be able to have that conversation yep. before somebody walks out the door. Before we close out, I've I've been wanting to ask my guests and each guest answers this question, which is, you know, there is a lesson, multiple lessons in every single one of us. So you've already shared a ton of lessons and some things that, you know, uh, things that you already work with people around and you teach them. But I'm just wondering, is there a lesson for you personally that you would love to share with our listeners that has showed up in your life and that you've, you've, you've felt an impact of it. Yeah. I, you know, I, I grew up in a fairly small town in Southern Colorado and my parents, my dad was from there. He went to high school there. He lived there his whole life. He worked there and, you know, he was always, um, he was always on like all these boards. He would, he would be on the community committee or whatever the school committee. And, and as a kid, you know, okay, whatever dad went to a meeting tonight. And as I got older, I started to go to some of those things. I started to go to some of those meetings and I would watch, I would watch how he, he interacted. And my dad is very much a a person who listens a lot and speaks very little, but when he would speak, it was like, everybody was paying attention because he had listened to what everybody was saying. and, And what he said was not just throw away. It wasn't just speaking to, to be heard. And I took that from that and kind of applied it. And I've always been somebody who's definitely spoken a lot less than I've listened. I feel like, and I've actually gotten that feedback professionally that I need to talk more in meetings. People have said like, you need to speak up more. You don't talk enough. And I can't explain to them like, Hey, I'm just trying to really choose my words and just be very sort of, you know, just, just very sparing with, with whatever I say, cause I want it to have an impact. I want to have meaning. I I've always been very choosy with my words. And I think what I've gotten in those situations, the way I've dealt with that is to not become somebody I'm not and just talk for the sake of talking, but to find other ways to approach it. And so what I've done to approach that is to ask more questions And if you're in a conversation or you're in a situation where you're not speaking and people don't know that you're engaged or part of the conversation, you can always ask more questions, ask questions to direct the conversations, ask questions to clarify, uh, ask questions just to show that you're, you're a part of the conversation and that you're listening. So I, you know, again, it goes back to my dad. I know a lot of your lessons are, are from your dad and it's, it's just from watching him. It was, you know, don't just talk for the sake of talking, but only talk when it's really necessary and when it advances the conversation. I love the lesson and actually I think goes pretty hand in hand with what you have written about yourself and the things that you do, which is listen and seek out and observe and see what people are doing and stay connected. So well, I really appreciate you joining and just spending some time having conversation. I am actually pretty serious that I would love to have a part two with you because I think there's a ton of stuff we could continue talking mm-hmm. about. But for people that want to get in touch with you and learn more about it, or maybe even just contact you even one-on-one, I mean, how do people get a hold of you? And I'd also love to have you share with the listeners if there's anything coming up for you that um, maybe they could get even more information from you and stay connected. My, yeah, my personal website is gregsroche.com. So G-R-E-G-S-R-O-C-H-E. So my middle initial is in there. So that's my, my website. 
And that's where, you know, there's more about me. There's more about my speaking. There's more about my writing It's also, you can sign up for my weekly newsletter, which is called the introverted networker, which I just launched uh, a few months ago. And it's one tip a week to help you grow your network. You know, you can go sign up there, get that every Saturday morning. And then if people want to connect with me on LinkedIn, that's a great place. That's my main social media platform. As you said, I post there every day. So I'm always there if if people want to connect with me and start a conversation or get in touch with me. Well, thanks, Greg. Thanks again. I appreciate you being on the show. And um, I know the listeners are going to love it. I certainly did. Thanks so much for having me. 